morning, church. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are so awesome. Thank you so much for giving us a way, giving us the truth, and giving us a life. God, I just pray that while we are here this morning, I know you're, you are here as well. You're present with us. God, continue to fill us with your spirit that we can soften our hearts and open our eyes and our, our ears to hear your word. God, we just pray that you continue to bless us in our lives and that we continue to put you first. And God, forgive us when we don't put you first. God, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see, I'm calling this sermon, and I have a series I'm preaching the whole month of May called the Jesus TED Talk. Now, I call it a TED Talk, but if you're the wife of an elder, almost every talk is a TED Talk. So, but I'm using this for you. Um, open up to John 13, where we'll be today. Um, and as you guys are turning there, I want to uh, tell you a little bit of the history of why a TED Talk. What is a TED Talk? So, it started out in 1984. And by a guy named Roger Worman, and if you didn't know that, it's because the first one lost money. Um, it would take another six years before they did another conference. Um, now, the first one had some pretty groundbreaking talks. Uh, a presentation from Sony about a compact disc. Uh, some new technology called an e-reader. Um, Lucasfilms had a presentation about some new 3D technology that they had come up with. And for me and Dempsey... A mathematician gave a presentation on new technology on how to map coastlines with fractal geometry. That's right. It was a good talk. Now, I'm sure the story of the compact disc was part of that TED Talk. Um, You know, the technology was originally invented by a company in Sweden called Philips, and they had uh, used a laser disc. For you over here in this section, the laser disc is about one of these big ones. Okay, it's about that big. And they put all of Mozart and, and most of Bach on there. They had, like, uh, so many songs on there. They were just so thrilled that they could put music on this disc and listen to it. So after checking with their legal department and discussing some royalties, um, they figured out that they could sell this thing for about $800. So they thought that was crazy, obviously. And so no one would buy it. So they put this technology on the shelf for three years. Then they were at a tech conference eating lunch with some uh, engineers from Sony, and they were talking about this disc that they put uh, music on, and it contained so many songs, and they could do all this stuff with it, but it was too expensive, and nobody would buy it. And one of the engineers from Sony leaned in and said, how big is your disc? And the guy's like, well, you know, laser disc is this big, you know? So the, the technology for the purpose of spinning was the same no matter what size the disc was. So Sony bought that technology and created what we call the compact discs, what we call CDs, CDs. And that's one of those TED Talk moments where you're like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. Your brain's like, wow, crazy, right? And that's what I want us to take a look at Jesus' words here today um, as we're jumping into as a TED Talk. So something that is somewhat compact, fairly straightforward, and yet it is designed to grab our attention and make us look at life a little differently. So TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design, but we will use TED as Truths Everyone Desires as our framework today. So starting in verse 33 of John 13, Jesus says, My children, wait, sorry, you're at the table with Jesus. It's Passover. 
You've been following him for three years. You've been breathing his dust for three years. You trust him. He is the man. Okay, my children. Now, every TED Talk has to start off with a statement. Makes you snap your head. It says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. That's the moment right there. Jesus starts off this TED Talk with something that is ridiculous and unthinkable. We've got the momentum started. We've got the star team. We've got the foundation. Then Jesus says, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. He even predicts that they will look for him. They're like, what? Where? But now the disciples don't say anything because Jesus keeps talking. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Are you catching on what the theme is here? You see what Jesus is hammering down into him? The takeaway line would be, love one another. Now, Jesus hits him with the, probably the biggest thing he shared with him in his ministry. And what's their response? A hand goes up in the back. Of course, it's Peter. Like, where are you going? Of course, you're like, what, excuse me? He's like, yeah, where are you going? He says, where I'm going, you cannot follow now. But you'll follow later. Jesus turns to go on. Peter says, what can I follow you now? You know, it's interesting how Jesus starts off this said that with my children, because that's kind of what they were, right? It's kind of like when my parents would go out of town. They would say, you know, we're going to, Grandma Selzy's going to come over, and she's going to watch you guys for the weekend. She's going to make biscuits and gravy. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. What's, what's your first question? Where are you going? Oh, just Chicago for a couple of days. No big deal, you know. I've never been when I was a kid, of course. I've never been to Chicago, so what do you want to do? Can I go with you? Right? That's kind of what you do. The disciples just don't get it yet. Jesus is saying this whole leaving thing is part of the structure for you to become who you need to be. Now, I want you to pause and reflect for a moment that Jesus makes a completely unreasonable choice. Three years. I'm out of here. And tell me what that does. Start thinking about when you're, somebody's leaving like that. Wait, Mom and Dad, I'm not ready to be on my own yet. What am I going to do without you? Kind of what your mind starts doing. You start thinking about your life differently. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm not going to be here. And the disciples' minds start to spin. In the next few chapters, he gives us some things that I want to unpack, meditate, and chew on as we share Jesus this week. So what is Jesus' key message to them? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, we live in a world where heart trouble is a killer disease. But the heart trouble that Jesus is talking about is... Not the one you can spot with an EKG machine. Uh, and coincidentally, he gives us a command about it. It's not, I don't want your hearts to be troubled, or I pray that your hearts aren't troubled. It's, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know what? Turn to someone right now and say that to them. Say, do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> 
takes on kind of a different meaning, right? You're like, hey, 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 do not let your heart be troubled. It's like, okay, all right, all right. I won't. You know, that's a command from Jesus which gives us a choice to respond to it. Now, some of you may be saying, Jeff, I, heart trouble is an emotion and, and you can't control your emotions. You know, someone says, don't be angry. You slap them because you can't control your emotions. But that's not true. You can choose not to slap someone because you're angry, but you can't choose not to be angry, right? I think heart trouble is when fear takes center stage. When you slow down, sit at the table with Jesus, take a deep breath. I know some of your watchers have to tell you to do that nowadays. We're so busy. Your breath. Jesus tells us to not let it happen. Uh, Jeff Walling told me a story about a guy he knew who wrote YBH in the margins of his Bible next to certain verses. YBH. When Jeff asked him what that meant, he said, yeah, I I understand what this scripture says, but yes, but how? Sure, that's a great idea, but how do I go about doing it? Now, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident, for the Lord is near. Now, he then gives us a key reminder to think on things that are noble, praiseworthy, and he gives us this list. I want to show you guys something. So every morning, we wake up with two lists. One that we can be excited about, and the other one is a list that makes us want to pull the covers back over our heads and go back to bed. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So we all have two lists, okay? So I want to ask you to make two lists, one of the blessings that God has given you, the securities that Christ has given you. And the other one would be things that are frustrating, hurting, scaring, or shaming you. Now, crazy thing is, none of us look at both lists at the same time. When, people were, when we were walking in here this morning, I never heard anybody go, hey, how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm good, terrible. Well, I'm wonderful, awful, actually. You just don't say that. Okay? Paul's teaching is, if you don't want your heart to be troubled, separate your list. It's not a very good separation, but you know what I'm getting at. Separate your list if you don't want your heart to be troubled. Yeah, but how? Okay? Take the shame list, one that you're frustrated with, that's scaring you. Paul tells us what to do with it. Just hold on to it. It's not going anywhere. You present it to God in prayer and petition. The peace of God will be with you. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now you take the other list, the blessings list. He tells you what to do with that, too. You look at it. You talk about it. Paul says you put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Now close your eyes for a second. There's a few of them up here that already have. Go ahead and join them. <laughs> now I want you to think about your list that God has given you. Think of the, think of the blessings that God has given you. And open your eyes and share one with somebody that's close to you. Just one. Jesus tells us to not let our hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. 
he then begins to frame a couple of things for us. You know, fear and heart trouble are based on where we put our focus. Now, uh, growing up, grew up in a small town over in uh, western Wyandotte County. We had this thing called Piper Prairie Days. The big small town, we had a parade and there was a carnival. Awesome, awesome time. Loved it. When I was a little child, I was wrestling. At the time, we had a wrestling float. So I was on there doing the whole waving thing. I don't even remember what I was throwing something. But um, the, the parade was about two miles long. And when we got to the end of it, all the other kids on the uh, wrestling float just took off towards the carnival. So I did, too. And then I didn't think about it, of course, because I was a child. Um, my mother was in the car behind me, and she saw me just run off into the abyss, probably nowhere. She didn't know where I was going. So I, I don't know exactly how long I was gone by myself. But if you were to ask my mom, it's probably like five hours, probably. But I don't think it was that long. But I was watching the parade with a couple of friends, and on the other side of the street, I saw my mom yelling at me to tell her to come over here. Of course, I was a kid. Crossing a street was very scary at the time. But then when I looked at my mom in the face... I knew that crossing the street was the least of my problems. <laughs> now, what Jesus does at the table is he gets his disciples to look in the face of the truth of who God is and what he is up to so that they cannot let their hearts be troubled. When you're going too fast this week, when you have worried spouses, panicked parents, distant teens, how is this going to happen? Where is this going to come from? Are we ever going to find a minister It's all about where we put our heart's focus. Where does Jesus want us to put it? Well, he starts off by giving us some truth here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus TED Talk principle number one. Keep your eyes on where you're going. Jesus frames our world from after the cross to when he comes back. It's just like the Israelites waiting in Egypt. Um, a camp by Nicomo this year, which is next month. Um, we're going to get to talk about certain characters in the Bible. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about Joseph. Because the last paragraph in the book of Genesis is just so many layers there. So Joseph is 110 years old, and he calls all of his family around. And he says, God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he promised. Now, Joseph had heard all of his life about the promised land. He had seen God's promises coming, but never saw the promised land. Now, he had heard from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's a promised land, there's a promised land, there's a promised land. And I bet his grandkids were like, okay, Grandpa, all right. This promised land talk again, we're not going there because my mom's mom was born here, my, her mom's mom was born here, we're, we're, we're here. And Joseph's is in Egypt as well. But Joseph says, don't bury me here. We're going to the promised land. I want you to take my bones with you. It's like Jesus lifts the chins of the disciples and says, guys, this is just the in-between time. Joseph was Pharaoh's right-hand man. If he were buried in Egypt, we probably might be able to go see, visit a pyramid of Joe. 
But he wasn't. It was a little burial spot up in Israel. Because Joseph knew in his bones that God is faithful. The world is not my home. I'm just a passing. So Jesus is saying, he's like, hey, hey, this is not your home. You're just passing through. He's coming back. That's one of the toughest things I have communicating with the teens. Is that we're in between times. We have to be able to communicate that we are living in the in-between times. We have to have in-between values. In-between values are those that connect to what's coming and connect to the cross. In-between the cross and what's coming, you just grab on to those values and you live in those values. But that's hard to do. Jesus says, I know. That's why he goes on. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen the Father has seen me. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus is grabbing hold of Genesis and the Father and grabbing onto what he's about to do. He's asking us to understand that we are living in those in-between times. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's like the Barney jingle of the Greek group. I love it. One of my favorite songs to sing. You know, we studied the books of the Old Testament last year. And that book comes from Lamentations. Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah is writing these words during what is the siege of Jerusalem. They're being um, taken to Babylon. And he's seeing all these crazy, terrible, terrible things happening around him. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He's seeing some things go on. He's seeing parents eat their children to live. You know, that sounds like a zombie apocalypse movie, but it's not. It's the siege of Jerusalem. So he's seeing all of this stuff happen. And he writes... Yet, I, yet this I call to mind. Anybody hear any echoes from Paul's coaching? He says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Kind of strange driving instructions from Jeremiah. But it's like he's saying, you're li- you have, don't forget to live in your rearview mirror. You know, we're driving towards heaven. When we look in our rearview mirror, is Jesus smiling in the cross on a hill. And the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Second thing Jesus says, he says, trust me, I am the way. Thomas asks him, Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. You know, trusting in Jesus has really become a turning point with my walk with him and with all of you. Over the years... We humans have kind of turned faith into a what word. Jesus here is telling us it's a who word. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I pray that this week we, maybe we've taken faith into a what word and we turn it into a who word. Hope that we get to do that this week. I want to stop right here for this week and pick up the next week as we just continue working through this. Um, 
Trust in God. Trust also in Jesus. Let's pray together. Almighty Father, you were so faithful. Faithful through all these years. Thank you for giving us a way to you, to your son, Jesus. Help us when we don't put you first. When we think that we are in control, Father, that you are in control. We submit our lives to you, just like the creatures that you have all created on this earth. They cry out to you, God, and so shall we. And I just pray that as we go out this week and share the good news that your son offers through his death, burial, and resurrection, that we start with Jesus as the foundation for all of our conversations. That the peace of God will be with us as you have told us. Now we just, we choose you because you have already chosen us. That is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you have any need, if you need prayers, if you want to know more about who this Jesus person is, we ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.